Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, as we turn our hearts and our minds to your word, we ask that you would send us paper airplanes, that you would speak to us again today, that we might learn more how to follow you and be led deeper into relationship with you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 28, uh, a little longer than it's listed, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the word of God. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of King Zedekiah of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon, and within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place King Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. But listen now to this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war and famine and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace... When the word of that prophet comes true, only then will it be known that the Lord has sent the prophet. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Jeremiah has one of the most popular verses in the Bible. I'm not going to make you say it out loud. Uh, But for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that verse actually comes a chapter or two after this story. In that verse, it shows up at weddings. It shows up on graduation cards. I know the plans I have for you. It's all over the place because it's so comforting and it's reassuring. God is in control. He has our best interests in mind, and he's going to work to bless us and take care of us. When we don't know what the future holds, God does. God has a plan. And God having a plan, it's really comforting When it feels like too much, when you feel overwhelmed, when there are storm clouds ahead, you whip out that verse. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Where that verse can go slightly awry is when all it means is when things look bad, don't worry, God is still in control. He's going to make everything right. Don't worry, God has a plan. Our story for today is about two prophets. One is named Jeremiah and one is named Hananiah. And both are trying to be faithful in following God. Both are faithfully trying to share what God is is sharing. The general situation is that there are powerful enemies threatening to destroy God's people. They already conquered them once. Babylon came in and rolled over them. 
They took the king away. They took his advisors. They took the priests. They stole all the expensive things out of the temple, took it all to Babylon. They put everyone in chains, and now they're threatening to come back and kill everybody else. And Hananiah is looking at this situation, and he's thinking, man, but God loves us. He has plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. So Hananiah starts telling the king and the army and everybody, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. We should fight him just like we did last time, and God's going to crush him. It's going to be great. But when Jeremiah looks at the same situation, he sees something different. He knows that God's people have disobeyed him. They've stopped being faithful. So when he sees this enemy army, he's also thinking God has a plan. But he thinks the enemy army is the plan. In this moment in time, God's plan is to punish his people for their disobedience, to call them back to faithfulness. God does have a plan that's true. And God's plan is to prosper us, not to harm us. It is to give us hope and a future But are there times when prospering is on the other side of suffering? Are there times where hope and a future are on the other side of defeat? Do God's plans lead us into difficult times and difficult places? Hananiah answers no. He answers no. God's plans, they don't go through hard times. And Jeremiah answers yes. Sometimes God's plans include suffering. And this division is an important one today. Everyone here knows the famous image, glass half full, glass half empty. It describes two types of people in the world. You probably know which one you are. There are people who look at the situation and they say, man, that glass is half empty. How sad. They're always seeing what's wrong, what could be better. And there's this other group of people and they see the same glass and they say, that glass is half full. How wonderful. Isn't life great? And there are debates about which is better. You probably have your opinion. One is a realist, the other is an idealist. One prepares for the worst, the other expects the best. I'm not taking sides, because this story is not about either of those positions. This story is about the person whose glass is broken, is leaking water everywhere, and is still saying, it's going to be fine. The thing is, when your glass is broken and leaking water, it doesn't matter if it's half empty or half full. It will soon be all the way empty. This story is about that. It's about denial. And it's about consequences. When I was in college, especially my first year, I didn't put as much time and energy into scheduling and planning as I should have. This story is very relevant to your life. I didn't map out my days. I didn't track upcoming assignments very well. At times, I didn't track upcoming assignments at all. And one afternoon, I was walking into a class. It was a class I enjoyed. It was linguistics. And I always paid close attention during class time because I really enjoyed it. But I had been procrastinating my reading for a while. And I walked into this class, and I was honestly feeling pretty good because I was like, five minutes early, and that was unusual. And I was eager to catch up on my reading after class, and I walked in, and I'm smiling, and I'm ready, and I suddenly realize that the class is dead silent. Everyone is staring intently at a white packet on their desk. 
They're all reading or writing furiously. I look at the thickness of the packet and I think, this is a test that I had completely forgotten was coming. So I did what anyone would do. I backed slowly out of the room and assessed my options. I can go back to my room and send an email that I'm sick, but that would be lying. There isn't very much studying I can do in the next 45 seconds standing outside of the classroom. (laughs) So I did what I think many of us would do. I pulled out a pencil and I prayed, Dear Jesus, just help me get through this test. I will dedicate my life to you if you get me through this test. That prayer right there is exactly what this story is about. The entire situation was my fault. I hadn't studied. I hadn't kept track of the dates. I had every opportunity to be prepared for the test. I had every resource to know when it was coming. I had the book I needed to read. I had the class notes in my notebook. But standing in front of that classroom, instead of thinking, this test is going to destroy me, and it is exactly what I deserve, I thought, maybe God will step in and miraculously help me avoid all the consequences of my actions. Hananiah is giving the same advice. Judah, God's people, they have the law. They know they should trust God. And God has sent prophet after prophet telling them, stop sinning and turn back to me. He's told them, don't make allies with my enemies. I will protect you from Babylon. And they decided, nah, we're going to make allies with Egypt and Moab and a bunch of other people. For perspective, this would be like Scottsboro High School and North Jackson and Boaz teaming up, ready to take on the University of Alabama. And then they get demolished. And then they think it'd be a great idea to try it again. It turns out, when Judah started making allies with all of Babylon's enemies, Babylon got really mad. And now the entire Babylonian army is coming to destroy them for the second time. And Hananiah completely ignores how they antagonized the largest army in the world twice. How they neglected to follow God. How this entire situation is their fault. And all he says is, guys, I really think God is going to step in and miraculously help us avoid all the consequences of our actions. Because, hey, God has a plan. The first thing to say here is that God does have a plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for our lives, plans to prosper us, plans to give us hope and a future. God has plans and desires for our lives because he loves us. Hananiah isn't wrong to think that God cares for his people. He's wrong because he thinks God's plan doesn't include consequences. He's wrong because he thinks God's plan doesn't include consequences. God does have a plan, but that plan often leads us through suffering and consequences of our actions because hope and a future are on the other side of the consequences. It's a hard truth to hear, which is why God's people put Jeremiah in a box on the outside of town. Jeremiah's message was simple. God's people have not been faithful, so they're going to suffer the consequences. It's going to be painful. 
God is going to allow the king of Babylon and his army to conquer Judah again. He's going to allow them to carry away the king and the priests and the gold. People are going to die. It's a hard message to hear. And what Hananiah shows us is how easy it is to bury your head in the sand and deny it. It's what Hananiah does. I think you can look around and see that in our culture today. A little bit of denying of consequences. A little bit of burying a head in the sand. I saw it recently at Walmart. A parent who refused to give their child consequences and seemed to be miraculously hoping that the kid will just turn out well-behaved one day. I'm anxious to see the results of their experiment. (laughs) But it's denial. And it's all over the place. And often God is the excuse for it. We use the love of God as a reason to expect no consequences, which just, it's not the way things work. Our sins have consequences. But I need to make something clear. The consequences we experience are fundamentally different than they were in Jeremiah's time. In Jeremiah's time, God's people sinned, so God sends the Babylonian army to punish them. They deserved death, and God gave them death. This army marched in, it killed people, it killed thousands of people, it burned farms. There were cities that weren't there when they left. They dragged the king away into exile, they dragged away all the people, and the people died in exile. For generations they were in exile. This wasn't just consequences, it was punishment. And when we sin, what we deserve is punishment. When we lie, when we cheat, when it's easier to chew out someone we love instead of let something go, when we hide instead of engaging a situation, when we neglect God because we're too busy, what we deserve is punishment. I have sinned. You have sinned. What we deserve is punishment. We deserve what God's people received. But you don't receive that punishment. The punishment that you deserve has already been poured out in full on Jesus, the Son of God. And he has taken our punishment to the cross. And he paid the penalty with his flesh. And beyond that, he paid it with his spirit. The Father and the Son, they shared this perfect love. And as Jesus carried our sins to the cross, his perfect Father had to turn away to pour out the wrath that we deserve upon his beloved. Which he did so he didn't have to pour it out upon us. The punishment for your sin was already poured out upon Jesus. Death is what we deserve, but Jesus paid that price. So this morning I have to tell you, Whatever sin you are carrying around, whatever guilt is hanging over you, whatever you have done, give it to God and let it go. The punishment has been paid. It's done. But that doesn't mean there aren't consequences. It may sound like I'm saying two contradictory things, but hear me out. The punishment we deserve is death. It is to have God turn away. That price has been paid. But the consequences for our sin still exist. And this is why we listen to Hananiah and to Jeremiah, half full and half empty. Hananiah reminds us that the punishment has been handled. Jeremiah reminds us that the consequences are ours to deal with. 
God does have a plan, and not just a plan for us, a plan for the world. And when we have worked against that plan, being faithful requires, it requires working to make things right. Those are the consequences. God has a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future, and that plan, it has been set in motion. And the punishment we deserve, the punishment that should exclude us from that plan entirely, it's been paid. But we cannot deny that our sins have consequences. We cannot bury our head in the sand and hope things will turn out okay. Because this isn't half full versus half empty. This is when the glass is leaking water, there's a problem. After I left class that day, what do you think I did? I went to the library and I studied for four hours and realized how catastrophically wrong I had gotten 40% of those questions, which does equal a D. And then I spent the next several months studying all the time to make up for what I had done. Those were the consequences working to make right what I had broken. Those are the consequences of our sins. But the amazing thing about this, and hear this, is when God's people get dragged away to Babylon, they think that's it. They think God is gone, that he's done with them. They are going to die alone in a foreign land. But they discover that even in the midst of their consequences, God is with them, and God is faithful, working to build his kingdom and inviting them to be faithful to him, just as he is faithful to them. God has plans to prosper you and bless you. If those plans lead you through consequences, do not be afraid, because God does have a plan. Will you pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge that when your plan leads us into consequences, when it leads us into difficult times, we are tempted to shy away, to retreat from you. Give us the courage to follow your promises wherever they lead, to set right what we have broken, to faithfully work for your kingdom today and always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.